Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, uh, and we are on SOAP um, with, we are jumping into Matthew 6 this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and there's a lot to unpack. Uh, but there's definitely a common theme throughout this whole chapter. And so we'll dive into all of that. Uh, but as we normally do, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, and then let's jump into and see what God has for us today in Matthew 6. All right, let's pray. Father, we just come to you with open hearts and minds. Lord, we just pray that you teach us. Uh, I surrender myself to you. Uh and that you teach me that this is your word and not mine, Lord, that uh, we want to learn from your word, uh, from what you have taught us, what you have said to us, what you are trying to instill in not only our minds, but into our hearts. Uh, Lord, may we come to you. May your presence be magnified now and may uh, your glory reign forevermore. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right. So. Uh, let's dive into it. Matthew chapter six. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV today. Um, and let's see what he's got. So right off at the beginning, and I kind of want to really say verse one um, is in a way a theme verse for the entire chapter. Uh, in certain translations, they actually break out verse one away from other segments within the chapter as if it is a theme for within this whole chapter. But um, so we'll look at it. Uh, here we go. Verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. All right, real quick, just getting into there um, before I read on is I want you, if you got a paper Bible or anything, if you're doing any journaling or studying right there, uh, underline in order to be seen by them. That is the main thing. It doesn't, it, we are not talking about don't do good things in front of people. Absolutely go ahead and do good things, but make sure that the in order to be seen by them, it is a heart function and so we'll talk about that as we get further on. Verse two, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Big one on that last sentence there. Verse five, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners 
that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty uh, phrases to the as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, uh, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 19, do not lay up uh, yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for neither for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, depending on your translation there, it also may say you cannot serve God or mammon, right? You can't serve one or the other. And we'll kind of really get into that uh, a tidbit. Uh, verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will uh, drink, uh, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You are not, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not uh, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? What shall I drink? Or what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. All right. All the way back to the top here. So I said that uh, verse one is kind of like the theme of this whole thing. Uh, primarily, beware of practicing righteousness before other people. And I said to highlight this in order to be seen by them. It's all about the heart. It's not about, hey, because uh, if it we didn't have that in part, otherwise, don't do anything in front of other people. We couldn't go do 90% of what the church does to help out the community and love on other people because it's going to be in front of other people. It's about what the heart is like. Why? What is the motive behind what you're doing? Are you doing it to be seen? Are you doing it for look at how good I am? Look at how righteous I am. Look at how holy I am. And this was a very unfortunate common theme with the Pharisees and other religious leaders uh, of the day. And when Jesus was walking the earth, we see that Jesus was going after a lot of the Pharisees when they would come and try to talk to him or whatever. And he would just throw them under the bus, like all the time, like just saying, you're just doing this to look good in front of the other people, but your hearts are far from me. Your hearts are not doing things honestly for the Lord. Your hearts are doing things for your own selfish pride. And so we see that that is what Jesus is really preaching against. Um, that This is all Jesus' words of what he's saying to do. Uh, and don't do this for it. Then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Uh, because guess what? You are basically already rewarding yourself. So God's like, I ain't got to do anything. You rewarded yourself because that's what your heart wanted. Your heart wants other people to recognize you and need all of this. And he's like, I don't, I don't have to do anything. So I'm just going to let this, let that go. Um, when we look at getting into verse two, at the end, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Understand that when when others are just doing it for their own self-promotion, their own self-reward, they're getting it. They're getting what it is, but that's it. You're not getting anything extra out of it. You're getting only what you want. Uh, a theologian, Matthew Henry, said, uh, at first may seem a promise, but it is their reward, not the reward God promises to those who do good, but the reward hypocrites promise themselves. The reward hypocrites promise themselves. That's what they get. It's out of their own selfish ambition. It's out of their own selfish pride. It's all about 
the self, unfortunately. And that's the sad part of this whole thing. Now, there's a part in here that Jesus says three times, if you caught it uh, in this chapter. So there's like, hey, stomp, stomp. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying this three times in three slightly different scenarios. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He says that three times throughout here uh, in verse four. Uh, and then he's says it again. Where was it? The other one. Verse four, end of verse six, and then also end of verse 18. He says this three times. And so this almost demonstrates the main part of um, one of the questions that sometimes we get asked from uh, almost newer Christians or those that are just coming to the faith and kind of like journeying through why we do what we do and why we um, kind of promote what you should be doing as a growing Christian and even as a very seasoned and mature Christian as well. These habits don't should not go away. These disciplines, if you will, is one of the questions, why have quiet time alone? Isn't church and connect groups and Bible study and, and those things good enough? And they're great. We're not saying anything against those. But Jesus is even saying, like, you need to have secret, quiet time alone with me, with your heavenly father, uh, with the Holy Spirit. You need to have this time where you're not here hearing from other people. I'm sorry to tell you, but soaping on here is great. And if you're new and this is helping you, awesome. However, you still need to have quiet time, a prayer closet, uh, a time where you just get up in the morning and sit on the couch by yourself, whatever your place and way is that you're just, you're soaking in the word and you're praying over it. And you're just trying to clear your mind and listen to the Lord and have that private time between you and him. That's a relationship. That's having and sitting and understanding the will of God instead of us just always doing our own will throughout the day. That's how God leads us is when we take time to listen to his leading, because without it, how do we know where he's leading us? And so this is a major thing that Jesus is talking about, that your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so there's this level, first of all, what's he rewarding you for? He's rewarding you for what you're doing in obedience to what he's trying to tell you in a secret place where you can be clear of distractions, where you can be clear of getting rid of whatever else is in your head. And I know some of us, and I'm one of them, that that's hard to do is to clear our mind and listen to God. But it's one of those things that, like many other things in our life, practice uh, helps um, not perfection, but progress. Okay. Practice helps with progress. And the more you practice that of trying to clear your head and listen to God, the better you will get at that. But you can't do it when everybody else is around or even on here where I'm in your ear right now or any other teacher or something. And this is a great way to learn and grow and understand and get more uh, head knowledge. But that's when the head knowledge gets into the heart is when we sit down with God in a private secret time 
And that's where some of our biggest amounts of growth, that's where some of my biggest amounts of growth, of contemplation, of understanding and learning from God is, is in that quiet time when nobody else is around and it's just me and the Lord. The other part of why we have to do this alone is guess what? It helps reveal our true nature and our true heart to God. It's part of integrity, right? It's part of doing the right thing, even when nobody is looking. I'm not in my word only for you guys to be like, oh, look how holy Nick is, or look how holy anybody else that's on here teaching you is, right? Uh, Harry, Pastor John, and Pastor... Um, uh, and Pastor Harry and Pastor Jason, all of the others as well. Like, no, we get to where we're at. And these others that are just strong in the faith, our elders, all of these others, they'll tell you it ta- it's time and time again of so many hours and so much time of sitting with God alone where nobody knows about it. But God does. And the fruit of that is so evident. And we'll get into even more as how that's showing. Um, so in here, it says when you're praying, right? Uh, we need not to be like just so lawful with our words that just going on and on and rambling on. And it gives us like some uh, context and historical clues of some areas of why he was saying this at this time is when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as verse seven, uh, as the Gentiles do where they think that they will be heard for their many words. It's not how many words you can say, but it's are the words impactful, meaningful, and coming from the heart. You can say a couple words and it'd be so impactful because it's coming from the heart and it's coming from the Father. But if we're sitting there just lofting out whatever uh, and just praying it up and it's just, oh, Guess what? And people can kind of see where you're just faking it, uh, honestly. And that's not what we need to be doing. We also are told this in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. It says, uh, be not uh, rash with your words, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let your words be few. Why is that? Because it says right here, God is up in heaven. We're down here on earth. Already, there's a precedence. God should be speaking more than us. God should be speaking more than us. God already knows what's in your heart. God already knows the groanings and the prayers and the and the needs and the and the anguish and the anxieties and the problems of this day. He knows it all. He knows what you need before you even ask it. It doesn't mean not ask it, but it definitely says, guess what? God already knows and he does care and he loves to hear from you. But there's also a time he loves you to be quiet so he can talk and tell you and guide you back because if you ever had that friend that just keeps talking and keeps talking you're like okay i'm i'm trying to help you but you won't you won't literally be quiet so i can talk back to you because it's right now one-way conversation for things to work between god it needs to be a two-way conversation right um 
also going down in Ecclesiastes down to verse seven within that same chapter five, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. Is this level of like, man, the more and more I just talk, the more and more I just keep going on. It just, it starts kind of twisting and turning about me. But God is the one you must fear. And there's a part of sometimes we can, you ever been in a situation you can talk yourself out of doing something you know you should be doing? You ever talked yourself out of whatever? Uh, well, I'll talk myself out of working out today. I'll talk myself out of, you know, eating healthy because, you know, I just need this. Uh, talk myself out of whatever it is. Um, I'll just, I'll do laundry tomorrow. And, you know, and those are small things, but I'm sure that they can, there's been even bigger things like I'll talk myself out of it. But no, God is the one you must fear. God is the one we must be. Uh, and as we talk about anxiety later on, don't give the attention to there. God is the one we must fear, not the concerns of this day. And so keep your word small. Let God know plainly, simply to the point of what your concerns are, and then let him speak. Let God speak. Let God talk to you in that quiet time. And Jesus gives us a model for prayer as he jumps into here and he gives us, um, you know, such a famous prayer. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so there's a quick breakdown of really what he's uh, showing us here in this uh, example is that number one, we proclaim who God is, who are we praying to, who he is and his holiness, his amazing righteousness, his holiness about himself. Um, so we're proclaiming that number one, because it, we have to know who we're praying to. And also that brings a sense of reverence. It brings a sense of reverence. Back in Ecclesiastes, it says uh, to guard your steps when you're entering uh, the temple or entering the throne room of God. Guard your steps. There should be a sense of reverence, a sense of, I want to make sure I'm not misstepping here. Like, Lord, please, uh, let me have reverence and holiness towards you uh, because you are God and I fear you alone. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will above mine, God. Your will above mine. It's not about me. It's all about you. It's all about you. That's the main thing. May our hearts and our minds re-understand that regardless of my wants or needs, it's about your will, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need, Lord, for this time. We don't need to worry about so much of everything else in so far future. But what is the current season that you're in right now? And Lord, give us what I need now. Is it wisdom that I need now? It may not be money. It may be wisdom that I need. It, it may be encouragement. It may be uh, that I need to get off my butt and go do something. You know, maybe whatever it is, Lord, give me what I need for today. And that daily bread may be encouragement. Maybe it is physical food. Maybe it is X, Y, Z. But Lord, give me what I need, not just what I want. 
and forgive us our debt as we also forgive our debtors. This is forgiveness and repentance, right? Forgiveness and repenting of your sins, Lord. And in a way, guess what? Even forgiving yourself. Allow and receive God's grace in your life. And we'll, we'll get into that. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This kind of sometimes this this phrase in the Lord's Prayer kind of trips us up. Why would God lead us into temptation? To understand any time in this context, uh, temptation equals testing. We see this also in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 13, where basically he's talking about that uh, God would never tempt us or otherwise test us in a way uh, that we could not handle it with God. Let me preface that, that there's a couple misconceptions with that, is that sometimes the way people talk about that God will never tempt us or otherwise never put us in a testing position that we cannot handle. Let me tell you, you can't handle anything without God. There's that kind of funny saying of like, do I need Jesus to go to heaven? Like, you need Jesus to go to Walmart, okay? Like, understand that the testing that God has for us in our lives is to be done with God in our lives. If we're trying to do it outside of God, you will fail probably. All right. It is with God that we need to understand these things. He's not perfect example. Read the book of Job. Right now, there can be some really hard ways of getting theology out of that. But ultimately, and Job had probably one of the hardest tests uh, in the Bible of God allowed Satan to take everything, but he knew that basically Job would be faithful, that Job didn't do it without him. Job came to him, uh, in prayer and always having communion with God, talking with him through the problem, through the whole situation. And guess what? Job just remained faithful, and God was like, yes, you got through this. And he, the only person that failed that test, actually, when you look back at it, was Job's wife. She, she was really no help at all. Um, kind of a sad story for the guy on that part. And, I mean, his friends were no help either. They really kind of just muddied the waters for him. But ultimately, Job passed that test. And he was given back even more so uh, everything that was taken from him. So, uh, but it's one of those temptation is a test, right? It's not a solicitation to do evil, if you will. The temptation that God puts in your life, otherwise the testing that God puts in your life is for you to grow, it's for you to learn. And also at some point, Later on, once the testing is complete and you've gotten through on the other side, it's also to teach and help grow other people as well, right? Uh, parents, we do this all the time. We see our kids and they're starting to make mistakes that, well, we did as, as well. Uh, and we're just like, whoa, don't do that. Stop. Hold up, right? Um, you've got, like, you're going to get yourself in trouble because I did that in X, Y, Z, whether I passed or failed, I'm foreseeing what you're going through. Don't do that. So there's this passing on of knowledge and helping each other out. That is the third part of that as well. Right. 
verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Forgiveness is such a big, big thing, right? We see that forgiveness is huge with God. And guess what? The two biggest areas that are hard to do is those people that have truly, really, really hurt us in very, very deep ways or continue to do this in our lives. And that's really hard. It's definitely for somebody that is perpetuating continually the same uh, you know, hurtful manner or hurtful things that are happening uh, in our lives. If they're continuing with it, uh, we got to, that's really difficult. And so my heart and prayers go out to you. Uh, if you're trying to forgive somebody that is continually doing uh, foolish things uh, to you in your life, bullying you, whatever the case may be. Um, but God is saying to forgive, to continue to forgive. All right. It, now it's a choice, right? It's not a feeling. It's not one of those, like, it's not saying what the person did uh, is okay. It's not saying that. Uh, it's not saying for you to accept it, uh, and it's not saying for you to continue to allow it, uh, but forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not allowing what you've done or, uh, or anything, or even what I've done to myself to continue to hurt me, right? Choices lead, feelings will follow, but unfortunately in our world, too often our feelings are what's leading us and, and creates the choices that we make and that we need to reverse that. It's got to be choices, even hard ones that are resist, resist against what our feelings are. And we need to go choices and then our feelings will follow that after you make the choice and continue to go forward. All right. So we need to do that. Forgiveness is huge. And that's where this really, really plays a big part. And the other area of harding a hard way to forgive is to forgive ourselves. You need to allow to receive the grace of God in your life. Forgive yourself. Learn from the mistake. Move on. Forgive yourself. Man, I'm preaching to myself today, right? I don't know about anybody else, right? If you're on here and you get something from it, great. I'm preaching to myself because sometimes I'm, I'm my hardest critic. Uh, and my boy, uh, Pastor Jason, is just like, Nick, just stop it. You're beating yourself up. Like, I beat myself up a lot. And anybody else that is a self-mental mutilator like that, um, this is preaching to us. Give yourself grace Forgive yourself, move on, move out, learn from it. Let's go. Keep moving on. All right. As we move on, fasting, we get into this area. And this is the at the end of here is the third time where he says, um, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Right. Be in secret time. So here, don't exaggerate the fast. Now we're coming to the end of our Daniel fast here. So we're excited to, yes, we're looking forward to, and we're doing this fast collectively as a church. And so within the church, we're going to talk about it, right? We share recipes for this Daniel fast, all that kind of thing. That's fine. But their fasting should not just be done when the church says, hey, this is a time that we have to fast. Fasting should be uh, in a way part of our Christian life and there be maybe times where you're going through something very spe specific in your life that you go, you know what? 
I remember this spiritual principle fasting. I, I need to do that right now. I, I have a big decision coming up. I need to fast and pray. I have uh, something really hard going on in my life that I can't seem to figure it out. And, and I'm not hearing clearly from God because things are distracting me. I need to fast and pray. Whatever it is that you're, is distracting you, maybe that's what you need to fast from. Um, but you, you can't just not go to work. Okay, I'm going to tell you that. You can't just like, I'm not coming to work and telling your boss I'm fasting. Um, uh, you, you will run out of PTO at some point. So don't do that. But uh, maybe it's social media. Maybe it's fast food. Maybe um, whatever the case may be that is kind of a distractor. Or maybe, um, and I look at social media and fast food sometimes because those are two big areas that we go to for comfort uh, when we're having stressful times and things like that. Maybe it is a big thing at work. Should I stay at this job? Should I leave? Should I, um, you know, should I take this, uh, take a promotion? Um, you know, most of the time promotions sound good, but who's ever been there where you've gotten a promotion and then it's like, whoa, this came with a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, other things I didn't uh, want or didn't wasn't ready for uh, yet. Um, and so, yes. So even sometimes it, should I take this promotion? Uh, don't let the dollar signs always be the dictating factor of whether something is a good or best next step for you. Um, right. Prayer and fast. Is this the right move? Uh, what is the right way I should go? And that is a great way to do it. But it's one of those when you're doing that, keep bathing, right? Wash your face. Like there's no need to kind of put on this show. And that's what it was going on is that the Pharisees back then were putting on a show and they were just trying to look how holy I am. I'm fasting for the Lord and all of this kind of thing to, to look all better and high and mighty versus other people. Uh, and that's not the point. The point is you're doing this so you and God can have even a clearer communication. So you can also align yourself more with his will than your own fleshly desires. And so we're in fasting, we're making room for God more in our life. And so there should be no outwardly expression towards other people that is always saying, look how holy I am. This is not for self-gratification. This is for your father who sees in secret and reward you. All right. Um, all right. I'm going to skim through a couple of areas as we get past them. <laughs> um, there was a lot, I had a lot of notes as in, in here and you see laying up treasures in heaven. I'm going to jump to uh, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be of light. Understand this. I rem uh, this reminds me of uh, Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see that we won't, as it says, your eye is healthy, um, so your whole body will be full of light. What are you seeing? What are you in digesting through the eyes? What are you looking at all the time? Are you reading his word? Is your word coming through your eyes into your mind? Uh, to always be there is what that's why we must have time to study and marinate and and meditate on God's word just 
just let it soak in, right? Uh, let his word be what is guiding us on our path. Because when we're not in God's word, we're, we don't, we can't see the path that God has laid before us. We can't see it because we don't have the light of the Lord from his word to guide us in that direction. That's why this is such a, such a big, big deal, right? That we need to do that. Um, he kind of goes into a little bit of, he talks about money. No one can serve two masters. Um, you cannot serve God and money. The ESV says, uh, maybe the, I think, I think it's new King James that says, or, uh, nor mammon, um, money is just an object. It's just an object. Um, like a, it's just like this cup, right? But we've put value on it. Um, God is partially has set up the system of being able to trade. I mean, this is very common ever since the beginning of humanity, basically, uh, and that there is uh, value for value, right? I pay for a service, uh, and then that payment that person can use to feed their family and do whatever, right? So that's how the world works with that object that is money. But there's definitely a spirit over that. There's a spirit that goes to that is like, is that the uh, sole reason that I'm living is to go for money all the time? Or is the sole reason of my life for God? I can't serve both. I can't be all about money in my life and think that I'm serving God. If money's the number one thing, uh, God's not, right? You have a list in your life, and there's only one number one spot in your life. And what's in it? Is it God or is it money? And I dare say, or is it a family or whatever? If it's not God, you're being misled. Yes, even if family is your number one, I'm going to dare say that you're going to get misled because guess what? My family's not perfect. And they can lead you wrong. Right. But God will always lead you in the path towards righteousness. God will always lead you in the path that's right and destined for you. Right. But if you are putting anything other than God in that number one spot in your list, you are going to get misled. Just period. You will. All right. And we can't serve two masters. It's just, that's just the way it is. We just can't. You're going to uh, hate one and love the other, or he will be, and I love this word that ESV uses, devoted, devoted to one and despise the other, because there will be conflict between if two entities, whether it's God or money, God or family, God or whatever, is trying to uh, take over that number one spot in your life, and you're debating on which one you're going to put there because it's your life. Or you get to choose. God will not force his way into number one. So the question is, what are you putting there? You can't have both things. You just can't. They will come against each other, right? They will butt heads. You will feel the turmoil. You will feel the uh, anguish between that. Uh, do not be anxious. Last part in here. Um, and he gets into clothing and worries, but ultimately it's the worries of the world. 
right? Food and clothing. We live in a very rich, prosperous country. Uh, honestly, even our homeless can find clothing just laying around. It's, I mean, look, we there is an honesty that we have so much food and everything in abundance in this country that people are getting allergic to things that they shouldn't even be allergic. I mean, it's almost like it's ridiculous. And we can go down. I'm not going to go down the whole rabbit hole of chemicals and preservatives and all that some kind of stuff. But however, it's just that the, the amount of abundance in this country it has gotten to a point where it's, it's ridiculous. So there's hardly a true need uh, to a certain degree. There's definitely needs, but there's, uh, this country is ridiculously uh, blessed um, to a point that it's become detrimental almost. But here, do not be anxious. So we get anxious for like silly things now. We get anxious for foolish stuff in our life. We're so worried about like little things like, man, it's ridiculous. And he says uh, in verse 27, and which of you will be anxious uh, and can add a single hour to your life? Now, we can't add anything. Can we add time to our life? Maybe. And, and if we do, the only way by doing that is by wisdom from God of how to live better in God's will. But ultimately, God's in control. God knows the final hour of our life uh, in which his will is for us. But clearly, worry and anxiety don't do a lick of good for us. And that's where, honestly, what do we do then from there? Well, we take that worry and anxiety and we bring it to the feet of the Lord. We give it to him. We, that's why he's saying from this whole chapter, you need to spend quiet time with the Lord. Bring your anxieties, bring your worries, bring your stresses, bring your dreams, your hopes, your goals, whatever, all the positive, all the negative, bring it to him, lay it at his feet and allow him to guide you in your life. But that's the whole point. Are you with your father who sees in secret? He knows your heart. He knows you. And so today, I want to end you with this. When is your private, quiet time with the Lord? And if you haven't developed that discipline, not just on here, but in your own time to marinate and meditate on his word and let it sink in and be the light unto your path. Make that a priority in your life. Make God number one, because he will guide you in the right way to go. Let's pray. And Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, what you're teaching us in here, and that overall theme of just, just coming to you, Lord, just having that time with you, that, that you see us in everything we do, not just what's publicly known, but what's secretly known. Lord, may we just come and sit with you in our own private, quiet time. May we hear clearly from you. Lord, I pray that your guidance for all of us is just known very clear, that we make the right steps onto the path that you have for us, not in any other direction, but the direction towards you and with you, Lord. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for all that you do. Uh, may we just continue to marinate on your word today and hear from you. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen.
and amen. Have a great Thursday. You won't want to miss service this Sunday. It is our public launch, our official launching of our Miracles in Motion spiritual journey campaign. And so we're going to have so much amazing, like super sugary uh, Sunday uh, with all of the amazing treats and everything, breaking the fast together. Uh, and there's going to be ridiculous amounts of cotton candy. And um, I think I'm still daring Pastor Brendan to put his head in the cotton candy machine like he joked about. But anyway, see you then. Take care. God bless and have a good one.